morning. You all awake? Yeah, the, the time change is kind of fun. Um, let's just put it this way, my dog doesn't believe in it. <laughs> and, uh, and apparently Karen doesn't believe in helping a guy out either when the dog... <laughs> I know, it's all mine. Actually, the dog doesn't, it's, it's amazing, the dog doesn't bother Karen. The dog jumps on my head and sits right next to me and claws me. And, and I've told you this, I just can't, I'm actually nicer to the dog than I was to my kids growing up, you know, when they were babies. It's like, oh, you need help. I don't mind with the dog, but uh, with the kids, they're like, oh, man, learn to sleep through the night, please. But uh, this, the, the time, I, how many of you are morning people? How many of you, like, this is the worst day of the year? few of us. Yeah. <laughs> this one hurts, but uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for being here. I'm glad that you all figured out. Uh, it's kind of a new world. You know, you don't have the stuff that keeps time for me. I don't even have to touch it now. It's just uh, the magic of the cloud takes care of it. And uh, that's kind of nice. But then there's other things that um, now uh, our bathroom clock will be correct because we just... <laughs> We just didn't do anything with it the last time, so that's always a good day when it happens. But hey, we're glad that I'm glad that you're here. And um, all right, yeah, she's yeah she's counting she's counting down the days that uh, I mean because what we have hey we have like three weeks left today and then two more. And we got to get through Ephesians, and uh, let's trust God for that to happen. I keep saying I'm going to double up one of the pieces of armor, and that just has not happened yet. We'll see how next week goes. But this is just, I hope, I hope in this whole study of Ephesians that, that you've been blessed. Uh, I've taught it actually multiple times, uh, which is why I kind of volunteered to do this. But it's a whole lot different doing, in, different, doing this in big church as we like to call it in youth ministry. And uh, it's a lot different um, this time. I am, I am just in my own study of this. It's, it's just like harvesting, you know, the best fruit. This is just such a tremendous book. And I, I pray that by God's grace, you've been blessed through it. And, uh, you know, I think it's smart for us to remember, just even as we're finishing up, let's not lose track of Ephesians. Remember our, our basic outline, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 what, who we are in Christ, what God has done for us by his mercy, by his grace, all the blessings that we have, all the resources that we have in Christ. That's really what chapter one, two, and three is. Chapters four, five, and six then is our response. It's how we live because of all that Christ has done for us. That's why in chapter four, when Paul makes this transition, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he lists the marks of a Christian, which really are the marks of, of Christ. All humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity. You see, Paul moves from who, what we have in Christ, and now the, it's just nothing but application. Live this way because of Jesus, is what Paul is saying. Chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I just, 
want to say it again. I think sometimes we may have grown up in an environment where everyone just went right to the rules. You're messing up. You're messing up. You're messing up. You're sinning. You're sinning. You're sinning. And yes, do we struggle with sin? I mean, actually, were they lying when they said that? No. But if you take away the power of Christ, you are powerless to live the life that God has called us to apart from Jesus. So what do we do? We go first to Christ and we see that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We need to know everything we have in Christ. Jesus is everything. And when we try to gain righteousness on our own, when we try to obey, we fail. So what do we do? We'll talk about it a little bit today. But we live in Christ. Christ is all. And we live in the reality of all that he's done for us. And all this brings us to where we are today. Let's read our text. Uh, Let's read verses 10 through 17. We'll shorten it up a little bit today. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, so since we're in a battle, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times, I'm going to go on. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we've looked at the belt of truth. We've looked at our breastplate of righteousness and our gospel shoes. And I hope in these past weeks you've seen this. I hope this has been so clear to you. God is for us. And God is with us. And he has given us everything we need to stand firm in the battle. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to stand firm. We're to be confident soldiers. We stand firm when we hold on to truth. We stand firm when we commit our lives to righteousness and to holiness. And we stand firm when we are confident in the gospel. In this gospel, it displays to us the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death. So God is for us. And as it says in Romans 8, we are now more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. See, that's what Paul here is saying. And he's saying, look at the resources you have. This is putting on Christ. This is who we are. It's a great end to what Paul has taught and written in the book of Ephesians. And it brings us to this. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
So today we were looking at the shield of faith. Now shields, last week, this is how my mind works. As I was thinking and preparing for today's sermon, I, was, I, was, I started to think about shields. Now in a moment, we'll get to this Roman context of the Roman soldier and a shield. But I was thinking about today. Do you, do you realize how often, like every single day, we use some sort of shields? Now, they're not hand-to-hand combat shields for most of us, if not all of us. But we utilize shields every day. Here's some examples. Sunscreen. Is sunscreen a shield? Yes. What's it do? It protects us. And does it work? I'll give you proof it works. When you forget to put it like on one spot on your face, what happens? Like, hey, and then everyone has to tell you, hey, do you know you have a red spot like right here? You're like, yes, I forgot sunscreen in that one area. Or you forget to put it on your feet. Anyone ever done that? And you're hanging out, and then the next thing you're like, my feet are killing me. Because you didn't put the protection on. You didn't have a shield to protect you from the sun. And the proof is the pain. You know, I can't go too many uh, sermons without using some sort of a food illustration. For those, I apologize in advance. But do you know I like the salad bar at Round Table? I do, I like it a lot. I think it's the best salad bar in town. But you would know, you want to know what would make me not like the salad bar at Round Table? Take away the glass that sits right here uh, below your head. You know why? It shields it from sneezes and everyone's bad breath and their germs. I am a germaphobe. All right, and, and it takes a lot for me to eat a buffet and such. It's like, I'm like, this isn't really my favorite thing. But that shield makes me feel a little bit better about going where everyone else is going to eat. You see, it's a shield. It protects from the cough and the person who just doesn't do the, and, and you've seen it, right? You see, it's a shield. It protects us, hopefully, from some sort of parasite living within us forever and ever. But if they remove the shield of glass, we wouldn't feel that great about all the bacon we put on the salad. We'd be wondering what's happening. What about the dentist? Do you remember the old days of the dentist? Rinse and spit. And then a little toilet bowl kind of thing next to you. You always leaned over. Water be splashing everywhere and blood. And, and it was, well, it's true. Now, today, man, they give you 80s-style sunglasses, right? You look like the Terminator, and you put it on, like, and then the, you can't even see the dentist anymore. He's like in a full-on shield, and the hygienists, they're covered up. It's a shield for our protection. Do you know what the most expensive hockey ticket is? On the glass. You know what the least expensive hockey ticket would be if the glass wasn't there? <laughs> on the boards. It protects you from a 100-mile-per-hour puck coming right at you. No one would want those seats. They're coveted with the shield. They're avoided without it. And then, of course, windshields. Driving along 101, heading into San Jose, and all of a sudden, boom, you hear that pop. It, like, wakes you up. Like, man, was I sleeping at the wheel? Boom. And it hits you. Can you imagine, like, early cars? they had the speed that they had today and that just tagged you, it would kill you. It would take you out. You'd lose an eye. You see, shields are protection. We know this, right? 
They protect us from flying debris. And at this time period that Paul's writing to the church, he's describing what people would know or that what they would picture on a Roman soldier. You see, soldiers use different shields. One shield was for hand-to-hand combat, and they would strap it to the forearm. You guys know, right? And, they, and it would block. You'd block with the shield, and in the other hand would be a smaller sword of which they would fight. And this would block what's coming. That's not the shield Paul is talking about. This isn't, you know, that size of shield, it's about, it's about, this is the best I could come up with. It's about the size of the snow disc that you sit on when you want to go out of control down a hill, right? In the snow. That's about what the size of it was. It would just sit there and protect you. Was it effective? Sure, for hand to hand. But the shield Paul is talking about here was not for that. Paul was talking about a large, thick piece of wood. It was a thick shield, and it was four and a half feet by two and a half feet, made of wood, and it was covered by metal or with leather that was treated. And it was treated to extinguish flaming arrows or just to have arrows just flat out deflect right off of them as they would come. So, you know, as a battle would start, if you've seen the movies... Right? They were ready, you know, aim, and you see all these archers. And then it's always kind of cool because I think that kind of stuff is cool. Like, boom, you know, they let it go, and you go, like, if they do the camera work right, they're like, oh man, look at all the arrows. And then they sit there, and what do they do? They have this huge shield, and you see them get behind it, and then, and some poor guy who's not paying attention always gets it, right? But everyone else who gets behind the shield, they're like, hey, look at. Glad you wasted all those arrows. That was worthless because they had a shield that protected them. And even if they were flamed, the treatment of the leather soaked in water would extinguish the flaming arrows. That's what Paul was talking about. It offered protection, full protection from the flying and flaming arrows. So when we break down our verse, it says this, in all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, the New American Standard says it in this, says it this way. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith. The King James Version says this. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Holman says this. In every situation, take the shield of faith. So we see this command in all circumstances, at all times, Or in addition, above all, in every circumstances, this is tied to our final three pieces of armor. Look at the verse. 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and join it together, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So what Paul here is saying is, look, this is taking all of our last three. And here's what this looks like. You look at verses 14 through 15. It says this, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You see, when Paul here is saying this put on, what that Greek is saying, and again, I don't know Greek. I know enough Greek to really get us all in a whole lot of trouble. I'm trusting people on this. I'm not too proud to say that. Um, but I've, I know this is right. This, when he says put on, it's saying this. You've put on the belt, you've put on the breastplate, and you've put on the shoes one time 
with continuing results. It's a one-time thing. You put these on. They stay put. It's permanent. It shows a readiness and a preparation for the battle. Now, the final three, the final three tools of the battle are for immediate use when needed. It's like this, and again, illustrations only go so far. But a baseball player, when he's ready for the game, how is he dressed? He has on his uniform. He has his hat. He has his cleats. But is there some inaction in baseball? Sure, sometimes you're just in the dugout waiting for your time to hit. But when you're, so it's like this, when called into action, he grabs his glove if he's going out into the field. Or if he's going to bat, he grabs a helmet and he grabs a bat. And then he's geared up to play and to hit and to field, whatever it may be. But while in the dugout, he's a baseball player, but in the field, he uses his tools. You see, what Paul here is saying is God is protecting us and he's also equipping us. Now, is his protection enough? Absolutely. But yet he still gives us the tools to act and to move. God is with us. You see, in Christ and through the gospel, we're his. We're protected and we're strong in him. And in the strength of his might, as it said in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God. You want to know something? I think this is awesome. And I hope I'm communicating this clear enough. You see, God is protecting us and he's also equipping us. And so this is cool. God is our shield. And he also gives us a shield. Do you see that? Doubled up. He's our shield, but he gives us a shield. We're protected and we're hidden in Christ. And so when the arrows start flying and the battle starts raging, we have a shield. We take up the shield of faith given to us in Christ Jesus. God is our shield. God is our protector. Scripture is full of this picture that God is our shield and that he's our protector. Right in Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. Deuteronomy 33, 29. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The shield of your help. The sword of your triumph. Our God is a shield. And he's the sword of our triumph. Psalm 3 Verse three, but you, are lo but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. You know what kind of shield that is? God is a surrounding shield. He has our backs. Some of us maybe have been in a game or something. We had a shield up at camp. They have a game called Gladiator that I think they've stopped because kids were getting pummeled. But they would give you like a boogie board. Right? And then the tennis ball was like, psh, psh, they were shooting them from an air cannon. Boom, boom. And it was just crazy. But if you had the boogie, they'd go forward and do, 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 the shield will get you. But if you turned your back, boom. A shield only, you, you can't do it. God is a shield about us. He surrounds us and protects us. Psalm 5, you bless the righteous. O Lord, you cover him as 
covered him with favor as with a shield. Psalm 710, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. Psalm 18, why don't you turn there? These are just too good. God is with us. He's our protector. It's a long psalm. Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Don't let it escape you. The all-powerful creator of all things is our shield and our strength. You are protected. Amazing. Look at verse 30. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Jump down to verse 35. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness, your gentleness made me great. Our God is amazing. What he gives us in Christ, how he has blessed us, and there's more. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. Psalm 91, he will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. You see, God is our protector in the battle. In the midst of this battle, we also take up the shield of, the shield of faith, with which, what our verse says, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. If you turn back to Ephesians, do you see the effectiveness of the shield of faith? You see it works? It is not a faulty shield. It extinguishes not some, not a few, but all the flaming darts of the evil one. All of them. You see the darts start flying and the shield of faith extinguishes them. And you know, make no mistake, I believe the scriptures are very, very clear. These are darts from our enemy, not to be taken lightly. They're from the evil one, our verse says. These are darts that are shot at, us, shot at us by the evil one from Satan. They're from the devil. We're in a battle. And this battle, is, it's not a game. This isn't a silly snowball fight that we have with friends. This is not a water balloon fight at a church picnic. This is real. And it's fierce. So take up the shield of faith. Well, what does Satan throw at us, you might be asking? Temptations, right? We have enemies. Remember 1 John chapter 2? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
For the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. We have enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. This is real. It's a real battle we're in. And we're called to stand firm. But Satan tempts us. We know this is true. Have you ever experienced a bombardment of temptation? Where it just, it just comes. It's like a freight train coming right at us. Take up the shield of faith. Look, until Christ returns, we're in a battle for holiness. I, I'll give you one example. I mean, if you just, just live in this world and we're, we're bombarded. But here's one that we do every single day. And I think it fits all of us. If it doesn't, it fits pretty much most of us. But think about just the arrows of temptation that come from a simple thing like moving your mouse to turn on your computer. That's an hourly, if not minute-by-minute minute activity for most of us. Turning on the computer and temptation flies quickly. Inappropriate emails. Inappropriate jokes. Temptation to lie to your boss or a client about the status of a project. How about social media? Scripture says, do not grumble. Do not complain. What about fighting? People are so bold today on online. People will type stuff that would never, ever, ever been said to somebody in their face. Probably because in the world, if you say that to someone's face, you put yourself in danger of breaking your nose. That's the way the world works. But man, social media, I'll, hey, boy, everyone's bold. Let's just let it fly. I'll tell you what I think of you. Emails. Oh. What about in our posts? Do we bring discouragement to others rather than edification? Do we have graceful words in what we post? Think of the slander and the gossip that we're tempted to do. It's a tool sometimes. It's a tool for, hey, the computer. Is the computer evil? No. In fact, hey, the internet, do you know the gospel is going out by the internet? I mean, it's awesome. You can't, can't block it. North Korea likes getting stuff as much as the government tries to do it. The gospel goes where we can't go, through the internet. But is there trash? Yes. So what is it that we do? Do we become a monk? No. We use whatever it is for God's glory. We take up the shield of faith. But the computer in itself isn't. But yes, it is full of pornography and adultery. And by the way, when you participate in pornography, you're participating in the enslavement of young men and young women. Trafficking. It is a serious sin. It is not a private sin. Covetousness and discontentment. You guys know this. I've, online, I've shopped for mansions. Custom swimming pools. My own lightsaber. And I'm pretty confident that Porsche and Audi are waiting for me to come in any day and purchase the car that I build online. I've told you that before. I love cars. I have fun with it. But yet, can that move into covetousness quickly? 
So what is our protection? Is it hiding? Is it cutting the electricity? Is it becoming a monk or living in a cave? No, guess what? Your sinful heart is going to follow you wherever you go. With technology or no technology. But we're protected from the enemy by faith. Believing God. The just will live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Romans 1.17. The just will live by faith. Galatians 3.11. You want to handle what I'm going to say? The just will live by faith. Hebrews 10.38. Switched up a hint. My righteous one will live by faith. Faith. What is faith? Simply put, faith is believing God. Believing him. The life of a Christian is a life of faith in God. That his promises are true. That his word is true. That he's best. That his way is right. That his way brings joy, brings peace, brings righteousness. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, when Satan is slinging his arrows at us, these arrows of temptation, you know what he's doing? He's telling you to doubt God. To question God. Remember when Satan tested Jesus and tempted him? He twisted the very words of God. And how did Jesus fight back? With the true word of God. He believed his father. He said, no, you're wrong. This is right. You see, Satan wants us to come here and we go, uh, I'm not sure this is right. Young people, he is telling you in this world today, God's word says it is right not to be unequally yoked. God's word says that purity in your life is, is right. That you are meant for your spouse. And the world says you're crazy. That's not right. Oh, you're missing out, right? That's what the world is always saying. You're doing it wrong. They're always trying to say, God's word is wrong. Our way is right. It's a lie. Believe God. Believe his word. And believe this, that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Trust God in his word that it's true and it's right and it's good. But you know what happens when we sin? We've said this before and this is what happens. That looks good. And we start to think that this sin, whatever it might be, whatever this temptation, we start to think that that's better than Jesus. Man, that makes me sad when I do that. And I do it. No. Christ is enough. Jesus is the best. Why do you think we sing Jesus is better? And you know when we sing that, maybe it's puzzling to you. More than riches, more than glory, Jesus is better. And then we cry out like the centurion, make my heart believe. You see, we cry out in faith, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What a paradox, huh? Why do we cry out that way? Because it's easy to fall into temptation where we don't believe God. You know, 
If you want to have a life just ravaged by sin, ignore this and go your own way. This is how we know truth, and we trust God. He is good. You've heard me say this before, and this still blows my mind. 1 John chapter 5, I can't remember the exact verse, but we know that we have come to know him when we keep or obey his commandments. And then it says this, and his commandments aren't a burden. Go to an elementary school and ask kids what they think about rules. Ugh, no running on the blacktop. Blah, 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 blah. Rules are a burden to the world. I'll just kind of give you one. I kind of think the speed limit in my flesh is a burden. I'd like, I'd like to let it rip. But yeah. Thankfully, I don't have cars that can really pull that off. There's a certain young man who let me drive his Mustang the other day, and I about went crazy. Like, this is available? This much power? This is dangerous and good. This is amazing. It's like coffee. Like, whoa. This will wake you up. We think rules are a burden, but the true, the truth of Christ, when he takes over and we see that it was for freedom Christ died, as it says in Galatians, guess what? For the first time, we get to obey, which you could never do apart on your own, apart from Christ, which you could never do as you walked as a child of wrath, dead in your trespasses and sins, what happens is Christ comes in, the Holy Spirit invades, he inhabits us, and for the first time, we're changed and we get to obey. We get to please God through Christ. It's amazing. That's the sign of a true heart. Now, we cringe at the rebellion in our heart. It breaks it. But apart from Christ, we glory in our rebellion. Jesus changes us. So we must believe God. Satan is designed for us to doubt the word of God. The world will tell you that God is lying. And when we sin, here's what we're saying. We're saying God doesn't know what's best. We're saying I know what's best. What I want is more important. It's a lie. Don't doubt God. When we doubt God, 1 John says this. It says we make God a liar. Is God a liar? No. Not at all. There is no falsehood in him, the scriptures say. Jesus, I am the way, the Truth, not a half truth, not three quarters truth, not 99.9% .9 truth. Jesus is the truth. Don't doubt God. God is good. God is true. And he proved his love. He proved his goodness. He proved his kindness by sending Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. So why would we doubt the one who gave all for us? Do not doubt him. But we need faith. Without faith is what? Impossible to please God. So we take up the shield of faith. We cry out to God, give us faith. We need faith to overcome sin. We need to believe God.
Do not doubt him. Take up the shield of faith. Trust God. Trust his word. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. So how do we quench the darts of Satan? We believe God. It's by faith that we stand. Proverbs 30, verse 5, what a great verse. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who trust in him. We're going to close in prayer, but I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. We have a song that we're going to sing. and As we sing it, sing out in joy and sing out in faith. Sing out, I don't know how to put this maybe correctly, but sing out in prayerful worship. Let's use this as our closing time, as our closing reminder of our God, that he is our shield and he's our strength. God protects us. God is with us. Man, this time just flew by today. Kind of shortening it up. We'll see what happens next week, but I, I don't have much more time. Got to finish up and get Pastor John in here. So thankful. I really am. I'm really excited about it. But let's pray. And I'm so thankful for all God has given us. Let's trust him. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, what a great morning of reminding ourselves of who you are, that you, you are faithful. Father, we do not have to doubt you in any way. Lord, I'm thinking of James. It says, do not doubt, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father, make us single-focused. Make us single-minded with our eyes fixed on you. Father, make your word come alive to us. May we see the blessings of obedience. May we see the power that we have in you to obey. Father, you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Father, we've been transferred from the domain of darkness and placed into the kingdom of your son. We are where we need to be, protected and shielded by a faithful God. So Father, may we be faithful in proclaiming your word, in living your word, and Father, as you taught us to pray, lead us not in temptation, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.